As I walked on through Chatham Street, a fair maid I did meet. She asked me to see her home, she looked and blinked straight to me away. Santi, my dear Annie, oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? The Long Haul Podcast, America's Irish Voice. Interviews with inspiring immigrants, renowned Irish personalities, and discussions on all things Irish America. Presented by Michael Dorgan. The Ireland I left, it was a criminal offence to be gay. Homosexuality was only decriminalised in 1993 in Ireland. I arrived in an America where I had to fill out forms as an immigrant, where I could have been deported and denied entry simply for being gay. We have come a ways. We have come a ways. Marching towards equality. On this week's podcast, I speak to Brendan Fay, a decades-long LGBT activist, filmmaker, public speaker and founder of the hugely popular St. Pat's for All Parade, which takes place every year in Sunnyside and Woodside in Queens. Brendan was born in County Kildare and grew up in Drogheda. He moved to New York in the 1980s, mainly because he felt it was easier for him to come out as a gay man. However, Brendan soon found out that America too had its own problems with discrimination, which motivated him to join the movement for LGBT rights, same-sex civil marriage, AIDS awareness and human rights. In the late 1990s, Brendan, a proud Irishman, was arrested several times for attempting to march with a gay rights group at the Fifth Avenue St. Patrick's Day Parade. In response, he then decided to form his own St. Patrick's Day Parade in Queens that would be welcomed to people of all backgrounds and sexual orientation. Hence the name St. Pat's for All. The parade has become a massive event in Queens and appears to be getting bigger every year. In this year's parade, which was held last Sunday, nearly two dozen politicians and city officials marched, including Senator Chuck Schumer and other city and state lawmakers. In 2016, Brendan's LGBT group, the Lavender and Green Alliance, became the first LGBT group to march in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Fifth Avenue. I spoke to Brendan after the St. Pat's for All Parade Sunday and he looks back on his life, his struggles coming out and how he established the parade. It's a truly inspirational interview. It was the first time Brendan wasn't involved in organising the event, having stepped down as co-chair. Brendan's website is brendanfay.net where you can find out more about Brendan's journey, his work and his documentary films. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Long Haul Podcast and five star reviews are always welcome. All of our previous podcasts are up on thelonghaulpodcast.com where we publish a host of Irish-American news and sports stories including a detailed report on last Sunday's St. Pat's for All Parade which is packed with photos and videos. So I'm here with Brendan Fay, the founder of the St. Pat's for All Parade. Brendan, uh, another successful parade. There was a break last year. How did you feel today went? I know you weren't officially involved but you were, you were there with the lavender and green uh, banner. Yes, actually, uh, today was uh, a lovely day, you know. I think everybody was thrilled to be back on the streets after being cooped up, you know, um, during the pandemic. But here we are again, 2022, another successful St. Pat's for All. I thought Kathleen Walt Starcy and the team did a brilliant, brilliant job. I was so glad, actually, to be off the stage for the first time in 21 years. But very much on the streets with my group, our Irish LGBT group, Lavender and Green Alliance. Once again, Sunnyside and Woodside shine really true. There was such joy in this celebration. There was such love with everybody, you know. I'm very proud of the people of Sunnyside and Woodside. 
And this parade sends a lovely message across the city and across the country. Last night, I was in Staten Island where the LGBT community were meeting in the Pride Centre only to be having conversations about organising to be on the sidewalk while the St. Patrick Parade was going by. That's why people love this parade, because everybody's included. The cheers, the smiles, the waves, children with rainbow flags, Irish flags, and there was such happiness and love in this parade, it was great. At the same time, the COVID pandemic was not too far away because this year's parade was a tribute to Turlock McNeilis, a great, great organiser with St. Pat's for All and with Lavender and Green Alliance and a great friend of mine since we both arrived in the late 80s, Turlock from Belfast. And um, so today, Turlock was one of the first among those early New Yorkers who died during the COVID pandemic. It was a real shock. In fact, it was not long after we were sitting in Saints and Sinners uh, in 2020, March 2020, singing songs with one another, hugging each other, chatting about how great the parade was. And a couple of, a couple of weeks after Turlock passed away, we got the sad news, you know. I think it's, it's so important for us to remember those who we lost and we hold in our hearts. And the Irish community, we have to figure out how to do that as well. To remember those we lost, always remember. We hold them in our hearts, you know. And so this year's parade had everybody. The bands, the flags, the floats, Brian Fleming from County Clare, and all the politicians of the city were here. I think they're amazed at what we've created here in Sunnyside and Woodside. It's a beautiful thing, you know, and um, I'm, let me say, I'm grateful that slowly but surely more and more St. Patrick's parades in the city and country are becoming inclusive and welcoming. And that's a good thing, you know. I always say parades are a lot more fun when everybody's involved and everybody's welcome, you know. It's really what makes the parade. It's been the businesses that cheer this movement on as well are feeling the benefits of this parade and this festival as well. And uh, everybody's packing the place and having their pints and their tea and their chips and their curries and the whole lot. And uh, I'm really grateful because local businesses have been hit hard during the old pandemic as well. But I'm glad. It's like we are all coming back to life, coming out of our homes, being ourselves and being back on the streets celebrating. And I love this. Today was a gorgeous day, unusually warm. There was a soft rain at the beginning. You know, but not for long, you know, there's a, a little bit of a cloud and, you know, but it just grows every year, you know. Uh, yeah, we spoke two years ago, Brendan, after the 2020 version and then today again, uh, I wasn't sure, I was speaking to Kathleen during the week, I wasn't sure if it was going to be as big, but she thinks it was bigger than the, the 2020 version today. I think there were certainly more people on the line, uh, on the, the, the sidewalk this year. Right, I, I have never seen so many people on the sides, on the sides, on both sides, from beginning to end right down to saints and sinners. And the lovely thing was to see all the kids of the community out there as well. And Sunnyside and Woodside is a very diverse community. You see, I think they get the message of St. Pat's for All, celebrating diversity and inclusion. And I love that. Oh yes, I said to some people along the way, I love St. Pat's for All, for its spirit of inclusion and diversity. Look, Irish, we're a global people. We're scattered across the globe. Why? Pain, famine, hunger, persecution drove us away from our own 
land and we scattered across the globe. But kind of people have a certain affection for the Irish all across the world. You know, and so I love St. Patrick's I think, celebrates that internationalness. And I think we need to reclaim it, you know, that Irish-Mexican history, Irish-Chilean history, Irish-Puerto Rican history. Only today I was chatting with a couple of people and I love asking them, especially when they tell me they're Puerto Rican. And I say, can you name your Puerto Rican independence movement leader who supported the Irish cause for independence, indeed helped us? write our Irish free state constitution and they look at me and scratch their head you know and I said he is the Nelson Mandela of Puerto Rico Pedro Abisu Campos and I wish our Irish people would recover that even more you know it's our story I love who we are we need to reclaim and tell those stories of our connections across the world I love when I see, years ago, the NAACP always marched in this parade and they would hold high the banner of Frederick Douglass, you know, the African abolitionist of the 19th century. And remember that at the height of our famine, he travelled to Ireland, went to Belfast, Waterford, Dublin, Cork, trying to recruit support for the abolitionist movement here and the end of slavery. Many Irish were great supporters of him, especially Daniel O'Connell. And I'm very proud in St. Pat's for All when I see people carrying the picture of Frederick Douglass. And the last one I'll say, lately I've been holding the picture of Bayard Rushton, who organised the march in Washington in 1963, where Martin Luther King made the speech, you know, I have a dream. But when was he born? March 17, uh, you know, and um, 1912. And uh, I love, he had an affection for St. Patrick's Day. After all, his birthday. And he was a tenor as well. A great leader and pioneer of civil rights and nuclear disarmament until he died in 1987. So there's so many ways. We need to take our Irish story and just open it up and unwrap the stories. You know, we're, you know, the international stories, it's all there. St. Pat's for All reflects that. And um, anyway, I love this. I love this parade. And we just had a fantastic day. I'm looking forward to the spirit of this movement spreading across the city. Next Sunday, Lavender Green Alliance, our Irish LGBT group, will march for the first time in the Trogs next St. Patrick's Parade. And then, of course, come March 17, we will be back on the avenue again with our Lavender Green Alliance banner. We have come a long way. And, you know, we're caught between two institutions here where we're doing the, the, the interview. We've got the pub across the street, Donovan's, yeah. where there's the sounds of music uh, and, and great enjoyment there. And then, of course, we're right outside St. Sebastian's, you know. And I'm really grateful today that we live in the era of Pope Francis, who only a couple of weeks ago urged parents to embrace and love their LGBT children. There's still too many homeless LGBT children on the streets of our New York City. There are children in parishes and schools still wondering if they belong and waiting to be embraced and accepted. That's why we need more parades like St. Pat's for All, to still remind the young people who wonder to whom and where do they belong, that they are loved and they're important and that they're included. You know, so um, we still have a ways to go, but we're getting there.
Brendan, will you tell me about your own story? Where in Ireland are, are you from and when did you come to America? Sure, I, I was born um, in a place called Atai County Kildare. My father worked in the local asbestos factory. There was uh, seven of us, you know, I'm the middle. And um, my father was a great union man. You know, he often told me about his struggle to get the factory workers to give, the, he struggled with management to give factory workers a second overall. So that when they would wash the asbestos, you know, they would have a second one. He thought that they would get protective shoes or boots with steel tips. That has stayed with me. You have to do what you can wherever you are to make the world a better place. And I'm very grateful. I grew up in an Ireland where we had uh, a movement called CND, the Irish Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. The, we moved to Drogheda and we used to go to Mass in the Augustinians. And I would listen to priests there talking about South Africa and the apartheid movement. And I got involved in it as a teenager. Irish people have always worked to make not only their own lives better, but the world a better place. I'm very proud of that global ethic. In fact, we used to call it act locally, think globally. And we can make a difference now. And while we're making a difference, make sure you take time out and go to places like Donovan's, get a point, sing the songs, play the music and love one another and dance with each other as best we can. What, what year did you come to America, Brendan? I came to America um, in the, in the mid-80s to study at St. John's University. The strange thing is, I look, talking about how change happens. The Ireland I left, it was a criminal offence to be gay. Homosexuality was only decriminalised in 1993 in Ireland. I arrived in an America where I had to fill out forms as an immigrant, where I could have been deported and denied entry simply for being gay. We have come a ways. We have come a ways. I was very proud to go back to Ireland twice. One in 2015, May 22nd, 2015, when the people of Ireland went to the polls, changed the constitution to extend marriage laws to same-sex couples. It was like we undid centuries of discrimination, prejudice against LGBT people in Ireland. It was a beautiful voting on love. I often said people voted with their hearts instead of the hierarchy. And I'm very moved by that and will always be. The second year that I'm delighted to say I went home is in 2017, I got a call from uh, the people in Drogheda who organised the St. Patrick's Parade there and they said, Brendan, we'd love you to come back. We'd like to honour you as Grand Marshal of the St. Patrick's Parade in Drogheda. So it was like returning to the town that I'd left in the 1980s. Be cheered along the streets. And um, I said how we all changed. It was a lovely celebration and, uh, so, and more to come. Was that one of the reasons why you left Ireland initially to, to come to America? Yes, as far as everybody else was concerned, I came to America to study at St. John's University. The real motivation for my leaving was I could not, I felt I could not be myself, I couldn't breathe. It was just really a lousy place to be gay. Let me say I'm grateful for those who stayed behind and worked for change, and I'm grateful that I was one of those who was able to make it to New York and be inspired by the movement here. Although I did arrive in the middle of the AIDS crisis, it was a strange time to come out as a gay person in the middle of New York when the newspaper every week would have stories about young men who were dying and um, 
in a way, it made me impatient with change. And it reminded me, do not put off to tomorrow what you can do today. That life indeed is very short. We never know what we have. So let's, as they say, live in the moment, enjoy the day and make the difference. And when, when you can. were, did, did you find much discrimination here? If we could just move to the, did you find much discrimination here when you came here in the 80s? I know the AIDS crisis was here, but was, it was a lot easier to be a gay man. Um, oh, how are you? Violation. So either you go over to Donovan's and get your pint, or I'll have to run you in. Which you, so which do you prefer? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Another great day. Thanks a million. Another great day. Love you. So, yeah, as you were saying, when you came to the 80s, was it a lot easier to, to, to be gay here or there were, still, there were still hurdles, still obstacles? The strange thing is because there is that myth in America. They call it the land of the free and the home of the brave. Well, it wasn't too long before I had to learn soon enough how unfree America truly is. Where you can be gay and where, in other words, where can I be myself and where can I not be myself? You know, I knew I could go down to the village you know, Greenwich Village and hang out in the bars there and the community centre. And indeed I did. And I found not too far from the famous Stonewall Bar where the riots were in 1969 that inspired our current movement. There's a place called the Oscar Wilde Memorial Bookshop, organ, opened in 1967 by Craig Rodwell, a pioneer of our movement. I walked around the shop and I, as if I was watching if anybody would see me going in. And, but I remember I walked in and taking a left turn, the small little community bookshop. The owner behind the counter recognised, said, you're from Ireland. And, uh, and then he took out from under the counter a book called The Black Diaries of Roger Casement. And he asked me, did I know anything about my Irish gay heritage? I told him I was so filled with shame of myself. How could I even have pride in uh, a heritage? And then he told me the story about why he named his bookshop after Oscar Wilde. And he told me that he could have named it after poets, writers from America, but that for him, Oscar Wilde was one of the most inspiring figures of our movement. That he had gone to prison and spent two years hard labor simply for being gay. And his courage, and that he used that experience to advocate for prison reform. And um, I never forgot that. And um, then, though, I, soon I was teaching in a Catholic school um, here, and I, I was out, and, you know, and I marched in the St. Patrick's Parade in 1991. And um, I will never forget that day, March 16, in fact. So, the New York. Oh, <laughs> the sound of New York. So when I arrived, I realised there was discrimination there. In fact, there was a struggle going on in the city for legislation to end discrimination against housing, employment and what they call public accommodation. And um, So would you, would you have been denied public housing as a, as a gay person legally in the 80s or 90s? Would you? The truth is, as soon as I arrived, I had to fill out a form. And you could be denied entry to the country simply for being suspected of being gay or lesbian. It took years for that legislation to change. That was finally changed in 1990. And that comes from a 1967 United States Supreme Court case, which all of a sudden added homosexuality as grounds from denial of entry into the country. Recently, I came across a clipping 
in an Irish newspaper here in New York, um, and they listed, if you are the following, don't think of trying to enter America. You know, um, mental illness, alcoholism, uh, criminal record, and then it said homosexuality. And it reminded me of um, how much people have worked for change. And um, so I'm very moved and grateful, I truly am, for the people who stayed behind and did not leave and worked for change. And I'm, I'm very grateful for the people here, the movement I found here. Activism has always been part of. That's why we speak about the importance of what we call coming out. Think about this. I was doing a master's degree in religion at St. John's University. And yet I was not able to be honest with my own family in Ireland. My mother in Ireland used to call me and say, Brendan, have you met a woman in America yet? And I used to tell her, Mad, the only women in my life are you and the Blessed Virgin. But here I was. I remember um, a beautiful guy that I met at the Oscar Wilde Memorial Bookshop, a great friend of mine to this very day, Jesus Lebron, Puerto Rican gay activist. And it was coming up to Christmas and he said to me, Brendan, my family would like you to come to the Bronx and be part of our Christmas celebration. I had never really met anybody who was out with their family in that way. And it was the most beautiful gift that I got. That, that was one of my early experiences shortly after I came out here. But um, Did your mother suspect anything, Brendan? That, did she know that you were gay? Um, well, I remember uh, I told my sisters, my sisters were really among the first. And of course, we all did it over a few drinks and I took them out individually, you know. And um, I can't even say on the freaking camera how they, their response. But, um, you know, I think they were truly shocked. First, there was the coming out to them and they were saying, they more or less said, that's grand, keep it to yourself in America. You're over there. And um, then I called them up and I said, not only am I gay, I've actually met somebody, you know? And that's why I think of how many LGBT people. Um, I, I look around this parade and I see people holding hands. The similar thing that straight couples take for granted, hugging each other, kissing each other, holding a hand. I remember for so long, I had to think I would love to be able to do that. And I could do it in the village and I remember when we had our first parade, our first Queen's Pride parade in 1993 with, organized by Danny Drum, who was one of the organizers of St. Patrol as well. And uh, I've lived to see some great changes here in my own personal life. And from learning to come out to my own family, my father, you know, who's died now, I remember, um, my sister said to me, look, we're grand, you know, but whatever you do, don't tell the parents. I remember when I came out to my sisters, you know, they advised me, listen, Brendan, we can handle it. Whatever you do, don't tell the parents, you know. The father will have a heart attack, you know, and anyway. And of course, it is so important to be able to be yourself with your parents, with your family. So I remember going home and... Um, um, sitting down one night with my father and saying and, and telling him, listen, Dad, I've something to tell you, you know. And I think he suspected anyway because I'm not the type to sit around and by the fireside and chit chat. I was always, always the one in the family running around and he knew something was coming. 
And I said to him, listen there, I know I went to America to do graduate studies. There was something more, you know, and, and I remember telling him that I'm, I'm gay. And I, I was waiting for the heart attack that my sisters had predicted. I was waiting for him to say something. And then he talked about, he said, I've been around, he'd gone with the RAF to, you know, and he'd traveled around, he'd worked in England. And then he said, well, he looked at me and he just said, well, knowing you, son, knowing you, Brendan, I see trouble down the line, you know? And I just ran out the back, out to our back garden and just, bawled and bawled and bawled and bawled my eyes out. I had done something I had waited for years and it was somebody here in New York who'd helped me get to that moment. After that, my father would started sending me clippings from the Drawhead Independent, from the Irish Independent, clippings about gay rights in Ireland and the David Norris campaign. My father was so, he would always write at the end of a letter, son, your day will come, you know. And here was a man who went to mass on a daily basis, you know. And um, then I brought my um, boyfriend, uh, Tom Mole, Tom back to Drahada. And, and always the letters from my parents, you know, love to you and Tom. And... Um, when my, um, and maybe it's an Irish thing, I remember my mother was the first to go, you know, and Tom and I were there for the funeral, but in a very loving and beautiful way. Um, my father whispered to me and said, Brendan, make sure Tom puts his shoulder to the coffin as well. He's family. And in a very beautiful way, at a very intimate kind of moment in our family, you know, as my sisters and brothers were, carrying my mother's coffin. Here was my father affirming and loving and embracing Tom. And um, I'm so grateful. It's, it's been quite the journey and quite the road. And, uh, and um, they, you know, and the big day was, you know, that day when Ireland, um, I, as I say, a vote by their hearts, you know, uh, changed history and send a ripple of hope across the globe, you know. What, how old were you when, you when you had that conversation with your father? Um, that was, um, I'd say that was about 1989, so I was like 30. You know, I was born in 1958. A long time waiting for that beautiful moment. And so that's why when people talk about coming out, it's such an, a, an important moment for for those of us who are LGBT and it's so important and to do that and and I always tell people and maybe from AIDS to COVID now I remember my father used to say now I'm in my 60s and I used my father used to say to me every day well son it's another grand day another day above ground you know and and now I say that myself you know don't waste it use this beautiful day as an opportunity you know to bring a bit of love in the world to work for change and um, and also if you can to make some good trouble uh, <laughs> you certainly did that Brendan that was, that was going to be my, my next question uh, going on to the, the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Manhattan in 5th Avenue in the 90s and the trouble you were causing back then but uh, I'm sure it was all worth it would uh, you just, just tell me about that yeah very quickly the story of the St. Patrick's Parade look we were immigrants 
We'd formed a group, the Irish Lesbian and Gay Organisation. And like any other group of immigrants, all we wanted to be was among our own people. We'd already marched with our banner in the Pride Parade. And the, the response of the crowds was phenomenal. Next, when we got together in 19, around September 1990, we said, let's apply for the St. Patrick's Parade on Fifth Avenue. Everybody said, of course. Next, the response came back from the Hibernians. They said there was a waiting list with 39 groups ahead of us. And then, of course, as the judge in one of the court cases said, that became a waiting list to nowhere. But the beautiful point is, the mayor at the time was Mayor David Dinkins, New York's first African-American mayor. He brought the, the, the parties together, the Hibernian organizers, um, leaders of ILGO, the Irish Lesbian and Gay Organization, and, um, and, and the city, and all sat around trying to negotiate a compromise. In the end, we were told you cannot carry a banner, but we were actually welcomed as guests of AOH Division 7. People forget that. Ancient Order of Hibernians. AOH standing for Ancient Order of Hibernians, Division 7 downtown, said you can be our guests. The mayor said, I will step behind. The mayor of New York always leads the St. Patrick's Parade on Fifth Avenue. And Mayor David Dinkins said, I will be your banner and walk with you. And um, now, that year you have to remember, not only were the gay and lesbian group banned, they also banned the group of children in wheelchairs. Um, no wheelchairs were to be allowed. I know. I'm so glad we changed both exclusionary policies and um, but here's what I'll never forget from that day it was my first day of being out in daylight the first day I remember in New York of being proud really of being Irish of being Catholic and being gay and walking in the St. Patrick's Parade but then we began walking and the screams began die from AIDS you know you're not Irish um, no fruitcakes, you know, blah, blah, blah. All of these screams and everything. Some people blew kisses, the cheers as well as the jeers. A man grabbed my hand, an activist by the name of Robert Ryger, and he practically carried me up the avenue. I've never forgotten it, you know. And um, Robert himself then afterwards introduced us to his parents. Kathleen and Stanley Ryger, Kathleen from Burke County Offaly. Now, this was a new step. We were meeting Irish parents. Well, Kathleen from Burke and Stanley, a very popular Irish musician. And here was their gay son, Robert Ryger, who was also a leader with ACT UP, because Robert had told his parents that he had AIDS. And um, you see, this brings back to me the, the reality of the shortness of life and how important it is to think well and to make good changes in the way we live together as human beings. And um, Robert would die of AIDS in 1994. You were arrested in 99, Brenda, but tell me how you got to that point where you got arrested in the parade. Yeah, I'll never forget, actually. Um, 1991, of course, we marched and it was shortly after that um, I was terminated from my teaching position out here in Queens, um, the girls' Catholic school in Jamaica, Queens. But from that moment, what I'll always take from that experience was the support of the teenage girls, my students, of their gay religion teacher. I have never forgotten. 
now they're mothers themselves and some of them marched today in the parade and join us on Fifth Avenue and bring their children and speak about their Irish religion teacher and uh, but anyway that's 91 then we tried every year and it became the St. Patrick's Parade on the 17 became an annual experience of exclusion, protests and arrests. The first arrests were in 93. It was very strange on St. Patrick's Day to find myself being put in handcuffs and uh, being arrested in New York City simply for trying to be part of our Irish celebration. But then there was year after year after year so of how, who, who arrested you? How did that come about? So did you start marching along and then... Yeah, we were told you are not a contingent in the parade. If you step off the sidewalk with that banner, you will be subject to arrest, you know? Sometimes I used to say, and when you look at my arrest record, it'll say disturbing the peace. I used to say, sure, all we were disturbing was the prejudice, you know? <laughs> um, anyway... Um, Year after year, there was the protests, the arrests, and, um, and then shown up in court and, you know, and my arrest record built up. And, but then in 99, I was arrested at the parade in the Bronx. I was arrested at the parade in Brooklyn, and I'd been arrested on Fifth Avenue. And remember, I went home to Tom and I said, oh, my God, we've been arrested and excluded from every St. Patrick's Parade in the, in the city. I am going to apply to the police department for a parade permit and create a parade that will become known for its spirit of diversity and inclusion. And, um, and did that. Next, I said, I even want our name to reflect who we are. So we came up with the name St. Pat's for All. And then we said, who else is left out? It's not just enough to tag on LGBT and think we've become inclusive. No. And we began reaching out and calling the Mexican community, the Chilean community, the Puerto Rican community, the NAACP, the Choctaw of Oklahoma, you know, who donated to the Irish during the famine. And slowly but surely, people said, that parade won't last. Businesses here said to me, listen, Brendan, I can't let you drink here. People have said they won't drink their pints here or have their, you know corned beef and cabbage if they allow us and um, and slowly but surely the people of Sunnyside and Woodside and groups came from across the city and said we will keep this going protesters showed up you know and I often tell people the story about the protesters I remember the first year when the police said Brendan there's a group of people kneeling down ahead and they're saying the rosary what would you like us to do you know, should we arrest them? And I said, no, I know what it's like to be arrested. No, please ask them, would they form a rosary praying contingent? We need another contingent in the parade. The rosary is a lovely Irish tradition and we could do with it. You know what? They show up and they protest every year and I wave to them, you know. And um, it's sad, really, you know. Were they there today? Did I yeah. see a group over there protesting? Yeah. I think I saw, I, I talk up, saw a couple of people on the side. Ah, uh, yeah. I didn't realise they were protesting, sorry. I know, bitterness is a terrible thing. Life is too short. We were made for love. Where did we get these ideas about to hate lesbian and lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people? How can you look another human being in the eye and say, you don't belong, you are not part of the human family, you are not part of our community? 
life is way too short. I always say that. We have to do everything we can, you know, make our homes, make our parades, make our bars, our restaurants, our churches, our mosques, our synagogue, open up the doors, open up our hearts, and life will become far more fun, far more joyful, far more loving. You give out love, you get a lot of love back, you know. But um, anyway, to me, that's what St. Bats are all about. So it was the first parade then in 2000, Brendan, and how did it build from there? Obviously, there was a small, small couple of groups and then it started, just started building after a couple of years. Or, and it's oh, after, yeah. you could see by the amount of people here today, the politicians are here. It's the, it's, you have to be seen at the event these days. Yes, <laughs> I remember the first politician, the march in the parade, came from Belfast. Her name was Patricia Loosley. She was an SDLP MLA, um, you know, member of the Assembly. And then she became commissioner for children and young people in the north of Ireland. I would ask many politicians and write to them and say, would you come to our Sambasarel? Many actually stayed away for the first couple of years. But we were very lucky that first year. And um, to be honest with you, we got a call from the White House. And it said, the First Lady Hillary Clinton hears that there's a parade to welcome everybody. She would like to march in it. So I'm sorry, I should tell that story. The first parade, indeed for the first couple of years, no Irish politicians uh, would come to the parade. In fact, the first politician from Ireland was Patricia Loosley from Belfast, SDLP MLA, you know, who said yes, of course, she would be delighted. We've become friends ever since. She marched, you know, and in the early years. and stays with Tom and I um, every time she and her husband William and we go and visit them in Belfast all the time and uh, then as well but the huge change came a couple of weeks before that first parade in March 2000 we got a call from the White House and it said the First Lady Hillary Clinton is beginning a campaign to run for United States Senator for New York State she would like to march in your parade so welcome to the sounds of New York. So Hillary Clinton arrived. And I remember um, children from the community handed her flowers. It was very beautiful, you know, because we said, who will greet her? And, and we thought, well, we've decided the theme of our parade is taken from the proclamation of 1916, cherishing all the children of the nation equally. So let's have the children of the community present her with flowers and welcome her. And um, she spotted her friend Anastasia Somosa in her wheelchair. She pushed her wheelchair, you know, along Skillman Avenue. But when the First Lady of America from the White House is coming to your parade, it attracts a lot of media. We had no money. We had no funding. Well, we had some. Danny Drum wrote to all his groups. Next, media came from all around the world to tell the story of St. Pat's for All. And so next we were on the front pages of media all around the world, this little neighbourhood parade, you know. And, um, and then we just grew, slowly but surely. And then politicians began to, to come and, you know, now today, the stage was just packed. In fact, I think they nearly could have had a city council meeting. Or, um, or uh, um, it was very moving in a way, and I'm very glad, you know. They were looking for you on the stage, but you were hidden. Of course, you stepped away from it this year from the organising side of things. Yeah. Tell me, what was your thinking behind that? Yeah. 
To be honest with you, this year I was so grateful to be off the stage. That's what it means to step aside from the board and organising. And I was so glad to be off the stage and on the streets with my group Lavender and Green Alliance and my friends and not have all of that responsibility of introductions and, you know. But the waves of people, the cheers of people, it's a very beautiful thing that's really happening in this Queen's community. I am so proud. The country, we are news around the nation and around the world. This beautiful, inclusive St. Patrick's, St. Patrick's Parade that has grown and flourished. And I'm so grateful to see the cheers and the smiling faces of the children along the way, waving their Irish flags, waving their rainbow flags, thrilled and delighted. It's very beautiful, it's very moving, and long may it flourish into the future and, you know, and may every parade be like it and just open up. And so here we are, Lavender Green, that spent the 90s, you know, being handcuffed and arrested. Now, for my sins and for being out of the closet, I'm organising our contingent next Sunday in the Bronx then on Fifth Avenue and every other parade till we're all shining and waving the rainbows along with the tricolour. Yeah, you sort of won fight, Brendan, don't you? It's the Staten Island one. Do you want to talk about that? or? Ah, uh, yeah, I was out in Staten Island now. I'll tell you one thing. Exclusion hurts. Exclusion is a violent expression. To tell someone you do not belong, you are not part of the community or family, leaves only a trail of hurt and memory that takes a lot of healing to undo. That's why I'm very proud. You know, I'm appalled at the exclusion on Staten Island. It is wrong and it diminishes the celebration. I wish the political leadership of the city and the religious leadership could help turn this around, you know, and it will in time. I believe the day will come just like the Bronx, Brooklyn, Fifth Avenue and here. That Staten Island will, will have a parade where rainbow flags will wave along with the tricolours, that day will come, you know. In the meantime, we'll keep working on it. We'll finish on a high, Brendan. Uh, Donovan's pub, you were telling me earlier, was where you had your first meeting, was it? And oh. you're going to and you're gonna go down to Saints and Sinners, though? Oh, yes, I'm going to... I'm joined for a mug of tea, actually, you know. <laughs> tea? <laughs> tea, actually, yes. And a good sandwich. But we're right outside here, Donovan's pub. It's a very beautiful place. Here is actually where it all began in 1999, after being arrested everywhere. I got on the phone and I called my friend Danny Drum, who was the great organiser of the Queen's Pride Parade and movement here in the borough. And I said, can we meet for lunch? I have an idea. And I called my good friend Ellen Duncan, you know, from back home in Ireland, a nurse, union organiser here and a great civil rights leader. And so we sat down there, the three of them, and I said, listen, the three of us, sat down for lunch in Donovan's and I said, I have an idea of I'm applying for a permit for a parade here in Queens that will be called St. Pat's for All. We began meeting every week. Danny, Ellen, me and some friends would sit in the basement, our basement in Astoria, and over mugs of tea and sandwiches and lots of toast and coffee and whatever, and began organising St. Pat's for All and it just grew. So it's very moving to be standing outside Donovan's, listening to the sound of bagpipes, the jigs, the reels, seeing the rainbows and the tricolours, and remembering 22 years ago when we sat down for lunch. And I always had a 
poster in my room back home in Drogheda way back in the days and it said happier those who dream dreams and are ready to pay the price to make them come true. I am so grateful for everyone who stepped out today and over these 22 years some have gone before us to create this lovely movement of love and joy and, uh, and now it's going on in Donovan's and Saints and Sinners and the other places around here too. Thanks for spending all this time with me. Brendan, it was my pleasure. Thanks for everything you've done for the community. I appreciate it. Fair play to you. Oh, man. Thanks. And that's all for this week. Let us know what you think by leaving us a comment on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Long Haul Podcast or visit our website, thelonghaulpodcast.com where all of our previous podcasts are posted. We also publish a host of Irish American news and sports stories including a detailed report on last Sunday's St. Pat's for All Parade which is packed full of photos and videos please like rate and subscribe to the podcast this will ensure that we can get even more episodes to you more often Brendan's website is brendanfay.net where you can find out more about Brendan's journey his work and his documentary films Slongafol and thanks for listening Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka to me? Why, you Santi, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka?